0: Welcome to the vox community podcast you can learn more about vox community
1: at voxoc.com join us on sunday mornings at el dorado high school in the performing arts center at 9 and 11 a.m Nice.
0: okay i like it it's intimidating it's intimidating i have to admit it's intimidating i'm glad i didn't wear my kilt today you know what i'm saying all right good morning everybody good morning Glad to see some fellow short-sleevers in here, next to beanies and freezing. Uh, yep, it's chilly. Um, so, hello, if you're new, uh, we are Vox, and we are thrilled to have you with us. It is Christmas time, and that's good news or bad news, depending on who you are and how your year's going. Uh, I, we're, we hear from people all the time, they're like, oh, we hate this time of year, we hate this time of year, we hate this time of year. And then there are the softies like myself who had the Christmas tree up before Thanksgiving. And so, um, so, I, I, so, so we, we, always, we always carry a bit of both. So today's going to be a bit celebratory. Next week's going to be a bit lamenty. Um, and we're going to talk about hell today. So how great is that? I know. Christmas for hell. Or hell for Christmas. Either one. Um, or Christmas in hell. Depending on how, if you're at the mall or not. Now, um, my name's Mike. Uh, This is my daughter, Hannah, and uh, say hello. So Hannah, we're going to kick things off with a little Advent reading from Hannah Renee. Two
1: selections from the book of Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. This The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what he sees in his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor
0: of the earth. Amen. Thank you, Anna Renee. Excellent. Advent has never had such a reading. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to do a bit of a Christmas caroling this morning. So um, usually we give you permission to sit, stand, whatever. Today you're standing. Right now you are standing up. Because we're going to leave, yes, we're going to leave with joy to the world. You cannot sit for joy to the world. You cannot. If you sit after joy to the world, that's okay. But right now, she, she seriously rolled her eyes and I'm like, I recognize that look. I get that look from my sweet wife all the time. I understand that look. So let me pray. And, uh, and we're going to, we're, although Izzy, do you think Izzy ever does straightforward Christmas carols? Nope, she isifies them. And so, so we'll see. It'll be, it'll be an interesting adventure today. Izzy doing Christmas carols. So let me pray for us. Uh, and, then, uh, and then we'll dive in. So God, we come today um, to, to, we use the words of Israel and their hope forward to uh, look backward at your first advent, the, the first coming, and, uh, and to recognize um, that that moment changed everything. And so we come today, um, some of us with great faith, some of us with tiny bits of faith, some of us with lots of doubts, uh, but we come today to rehearse the story, to remind ourselves of, of what it is that the world pauses to celebrate, to take the bread and the cup together as family to be reminded that the only thing steadfast in this world um, is the character and the nature of you and your movement, and to be shaped and formed into people um, who are good news people. So to that end, we ask your blessing, and we celebrate now in the name of Jesus, our Christ. Amen. Oh, That was so great. Please sit down. I know you're exhausted. I know that was a lot of standing. Are you okay? Are you okay? Okay. Just making sure. Dang, that was good. Wow. All right. I wasn't even ready. All right. Um, Good morning. My name's Mike. And uh, if this is your first time with us, welcome. Um, If you want to find out more about what the heck this whole thing is, you can go to our website, which is voxoc.com. And you can do a couple of things. You can give us your information. Uh, We can add you to our email list. The second thing is you can sign up for a holiday party. So we're celebrating the 12 days of Voxmas uh, this month, and um, just because it's obnoxious. Uh, And um, and so we have, I think, six or seven holiday parties around Orange County uh, over the next couple of weeks. And so you go on our website, you sign up for one of those. There's no agenda for these, Uh, literally just a meal and to connect with other people, that is it. So so if you're somebody that's like, hey, how do I get to know people around here? These are perfect for you. And then in January, we're going to have something called a New Dinner, which is still dinner um, and very informal, but more of a um, a time to talk a bit about uh, what this community is, why it is the way that it is, and uh, you can sign up for all of that on our website, all right? One of the things we greatly value is curiosity. When it comes to issues of faith, we value doubt, we, doubt, we value questions, we value curiosity. So we allow people to text in uh, questions, and normally that's a good idea. Last week, I, I think there, like, it was off the charts. We got everything from, hey, can we do Christmas carols? Yes. To, hey, why do you do earplugs? Because some of you don't like it loud. Um, to, you know, we. I mean, it was like ridiculous. So last week we introduced the subject of hell because we're in a series on John 3.16 and we're going word by word through that whole verse. For God so loved the world, he gave his son whoever believes shall not perish is where we're at. So um, So it happened to be around Christmas time that we came upon that part and we thought, okay, well, we'll spend a couple of weeks on it and then we'll finish it sometime in January. But it raises a lot of questions. So, to the questions. This is the phone number first. Oh, let's, let's put it, that's the phone number. So you can enter that or take a picture of it. And anything you have questions about a church, um, about general like stuff, um, wardrobe choices, uh, why do you wear the same outfit every week? Because uh, Jesus says don't worry about what to wear. So I don't worry about what to wear. And, and I read on Facebook, and if it's on Facebook it's true, Uh, I read on Facebook that very smart people wear the same things over and over again. So, there you go. All right. First question. Wait a minute. Now, okay, well, this will make sense. If If you weren't here last week, these questions won't make sense. Wait a minute. You're using heavens, descriptive of the sky and outer space, as interchangeable with heaven, the place where God dwells. These are not the same word in Scripture, are they? Next. Doesn't Paul define the heaven in which God dwells as the third heaven? I would like a clear definition of the word heaven as used in the various Scriptures you mentioned. I know that's asking a lot, but you have four weeks after all. <laughs> okay, first of all, that's pretty demanding, right? <laughs> You're supposed to sit here uncritically like sheep and just take whatever I say, Right? All right, so, so you're right and you're wrong, questioner. It is, in the New Testament, there is predominantly just one word for heaven. And it's in the plural usually, so that it's heavens. And in the Jewish conception, you're right, there are three. The sky, outer space, and the realm where God dwells. Often all three are mentioned, or all three are intended at the same time. Sometimes just one of those meanings is intended, um, but, but to the Jewish mind, uh, God just didn't dwell in the highest heaven. Although specifically that is said a couple of times, um, when, when it says like in the Old Testament, God spoke from heaven. He's not speaking from the highest heaven somewhere beyond outer space. He's speaking from the air right next to you. So heavens can have that whole breadth of meaning. And when we say that heaven and earth were ruptured, um, yes, we're meaning obviously the place where God dwells most of all. That's, the, that's obviously the air wasn't ruptured when sin and death entered the world. And obviously outer space wasn't ruptured when sin and death entered the world. So it's predominantly that third meaning that uh, as we go to the diagram in just a moment, that heaven and earth were ruptured by the entrance of sin and death into the world. So, so yes, it's one word, that's where it gets really confusing. But often all those meanings are wrapped up into simply one meaning, the heavens. So, next question, great job. Is that clear? Yeah, okay. Mike said, okay, never quote me to myself. <laughs> Not once does Jesus say, quote, you better get your act together or you're gonna fry. And then the questioner has the audacity to disagree with that statement. I mean, what what is up with you guys? I recall more than one instance where he said something similar to this exact thing as the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Also, he talks about the children of the kingdom being cast out where there will be much weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he, I mean, you have good fingers, questioner, to text all of this in. And he talks about Gehenna, the junk heap of souls, where people rejectable land. And in addition, in Matthew 7, what does he mean? By the road to heaven is narrow and its gate is small and few are those who find it, but the road to hell is wide and many are those who choose its easy way. I may have the quote wrong or have memorized a bad translation, but I'm having trouble erasing hell as Francis Chan might put it. Next. Going on. (laughs) (laughs) I want to shake your hand, questioner. He talks to his disciples, presumably about heaven. All right, so you, so, uh, let's go to the bottom part. Sorry to ramble so much, but in spite of the fact that I really want to agree with you next, I've gotten in trouble in Bible study groups before mentioning that I hate the idea of hell. Isn't that dumb? Really, in Bible study groups, to say that you hate the idea of hell gets you in trouble. Yeah, Christians, way to go. Yeah, we love the idea that people are going to be tormented. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man, we're idiots. I can't quite get there, but I want you to be right. Please convince me. All right, are you ready? Take my word for it. (laughs) No. Now, we are going to spend four weeks talking about the why of judgment, the who of judgment, the how of judgment, and the where of judgment. And one of the things you're going to see is that those warnings were only given to insiders. They were never given to outsiders, and that was what I was meaning. Jesus never threatened hell to get people to believe in him. He talked about it to religious people, specifically around the ideas of hypocrisy, causing children to stumble, and taking taking only big sins seriously and not the small ones. So he's always talking to his covenant people about the subject. He's not talking to outsiders. And even when Paul, uh, in his speeches, we never hear him mentioning this. Now, they do talk about judgment, And that's what we're going to talk about. But that turns out to be something a little different than the traditional conception of hell. All those passages you referenced, good sir or madam, we're going to talk about. All right? So great stuff. I got four weeks after all. Next. (laughs) Since God's judgment comes later, what has happened to those who've already died and what will happen to us? We're going to talk about that later. Next. If God existed before everything, he created evil. That would mean he has to have darkness within himself. So how can he be 100% good? Oh, what a brilliant question. Brilliant question. What's the question assume? That evil is a thing. That evil is a created thing. See, in the classic Christian conception of evil, evil is a parasite. It's like cancer. Could cancer exist without healthy cells? No. Could healthy cells exist without cancer? Absolutely. So cancer is a parasite that needs the good that is a corruption of the good or privation of the good. So evil's like rust. Evil, evil is like cancer. Evil is parasitic in nature. Good can exist without evil. Evil cannot exist without good because all evil is a corruption of good. What are addictions? Addictions aren't doing bad things addictions are the love of things that in moderation are fine, but it's too much love of those things, correct? Except for maybe, you know, well, some of the obvious exceptions, right? I'm not saying, like, love of drugs in moderation is fine, but I'm just saying, like, the traditional sort of, I mean, what's gluttony? I mean, I don't have any personal experience, but it seems like (laughs) food itself is neutral, right? It's a gift of God, so it's not just neutral, it's a gift of God, but it's the abuse, Right? I mean, so, so you have, so evil isn't a created thing. Evil is the corruption of the good. So now that raises other questions, and you didn't ask those. So next question. <laughs> was that it? Hallelujah, that was it. All right, now. Whew, so there were like 15 of those. I mean, it was absolutely crazy. Um, so great job. Uh, again, we want you to ask everything. Go ahead and put up, if you would, diagram number one. This is review from last week. This, if you remember, is the traditional heaven and hell story. You live on the earth, you die, you face judgment, and you either go to heaven or you go to hell, correct? And the earth somehow disappears. That's not the biblical story, which is our big point last week. The biblical story tells an entirely different story that includes some of this language but broadens it dramatically. That's the biblical story, God creates the heaven and the earth. Now, one of the huge points we made is that the opposite, or the counterpart, not the opposite, the counterpart of heaven isn't hell. The counterpart of heaven is the earth. All throughout the Old Testament, it's heaven and earth, heaven and earth, heaven and earth. It's never heaven and hell. They're not mentioned in the same verse. So it's always heaven and earth. They were created in a manner where they intersected almost at every point, there were, where it could be said of God, God walked in the garden in the cool of the day with the, with the human beings he had made. That lasted all of two chapters. Creaturely rebellion led to the rupture in the middle, the separation of heaven and earth. Now, that's a bad word, because it's not totally separated, but, but there's some sort of rupture. So, so the scripture, when i say things like, you know, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, and the earth he's given to God, the earth he's given to men and women, right? Or, or, or the scripture will say, uh, Jesus will say something like, may your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven, right? So there's this, this rupture, this fracture between heaven and earth. As a result of that rupture, God judges the earth and its inhabitants. And he does that because he's going to restore things The the purpose of his judgment is restorative. Now, it feels like punishment to those who are not aligned with his purposes. Because God's not in the torturing business. God's in the restoring business. And so it's not just heaven and earth that are separated, but it's actually darkness in our own hearts that cause some of this problem too. So yes, the Bible does speak of judgment. We're going to spend four weeks on judgment. Why, how, who, and where that judgment is. But you'll be surprised at kind of how all of this fleshes out if you come to the story without that first diagram in view. Because the result of that judgment is the reunification, the reconciliation of heaven and earth. And the last picture we get is of God coming down to be in a new earth from a new heaven in a new city with renewed people forever. They have renewed human bodies, which is very exciting for some of us. And in the pictures we get of what we do forever are very human things, planting and growing and living and whatever. So your conception of heaven should not be somewhere else with with wings on golden streets. And, And I've had literally church people say this, yeah, heaven is like an eternal church service. And I'm a big fan of church, but that sounds awful. I mean, it still sounds better than the other place, but wow, not by much, right? Like, no, it's way better than that. So This is all review. Are you with me so far? Oh, hold on. Get this picture. You got it? I'm pausing right now. Did you get it? Okay, you got it. Okay. I'm I'm assuming you wanted the diagram and not this guy. Because I can give you a better pose than that. Okay. All right. Yeah, okay. It was the diagram. Um, (laughs) So I want to retell this story, though around individuals. We told this story around heaven and earth last week. I want to tell this story around you and I this week. All right. So fire up Genesis one again. In the beginning, this is how the the whole story begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now that word create is a very interesting word. It's the word bara. Say bara. Bara. Barah is a word that's only used when God does the creating. When human beings create stuff, a different word is used. Why? Well, there's a difference between how humans create and God creates, correct? Human beings can only create using the stuff that already exists. God can create out of nothing. So when God creates something that's only got, something God can do, the word bara is used. So it's used, first of all, of the creation of heaven and earth. But flip, not flip, go uh, to verse 27. Notice it's used three times here about the creation of humanity. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So the word create, borah, is used one time of the universe and three times about the creation of people. Now, that's interesting for this reason. In Hebrew, the language in which this was written, you didn't have boldface type or Helvetica font. You didn't have italics. So the only way you could emphasize something in Hebrew is to repeat it. So if you want to say that God's really, really holy, what do you say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? If you want to say... Human beings are the specific, unique, and special work of a god who, who in the same way created the universe now fashions people. You use the word barah three times to describe the image bearers. And, and this is interesting because only in this ancient story, see, human beings have always made representations of the gods. This is the story about a god who makes a representation of himself in the form of human persons. Right, it's drastically different. Now, God created humanity in his own image. So he creates the universe, barah. He creates humanity three different times. The word bara is used in our creation. Now, how's the story end? Go to Revelation, of course. We read this last week. This is how the story ends. In the beginning of the story, God creates the heavens and the earth. Here I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. Remember that imagery? This isn't a story about getting souls out of here. This is a story about heaven and earth joining up at the very end. So the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So the wedding imagery here is fascinating. In fact, Jesus will often picture what we do forever as a wedding feast. So take the best wedding you've ever been to, multiply it by infinity, put Jesus right in the middle of it, and that's what new heaven, new earth is going to be like. That's pretty good. I'm a really good dancer. I'm a really, I'm shockingly a good dancer. You've ever seen Chris Farley And Patrick Swayze, dance off. That's what it looks like. Sorry, SNL reference. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now where? Among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Man, hallelujah, we cannot wait for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything. Ah, that's my favorite verse. So, in one sense, the biblical story is really simple. The creation of heaven and earth, God dwelling with people, how's the story end? Creation of new heavens, new earth, God dwelling with people. Now, to the Jewish mind of Jesus' day, that's how it was gonna go down. It was a very linear process. And they called it, very originally, this present age and then the age to come, okay? This present age was the age of human history, the age of sin and death, the age of evil. And then there was something called the day of the Lord that was going to just stop that. And then the age to come would happen, the age of Messiah, the age of peace on earth, the age of hope, the age of all the blessings in the Old Testament that were promised. So it was very linear, in the Jewish mind, creation, new creation, and then just a, just a like a day of judgment in the middle. Jesus, when he shows up, screws up this whole formula, as he does so many other things. Correct? Go to First Corinthians chapter fifteen. If you have a Bible, if not, obviously it'll be up on the screen. Some of you are like, why should I exercise my fingers? You're just going to put it up on the screen. Because God loves people who use real paper more. It's in there. It's in there. Take my word for it. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, now Paul, this writer Paul, is talking about, hey, Jesus has actually risen from the dead. But some of you are saying, nobody rises from the dead, so how can Jesus rise from the dead? And Paul's saying, well, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then the whole Christian thing falls apart. Just to be clear, the whole Christian thing rests not on how old the universe is, but on whether Jesus rose from the dead. The whole thing. He says, in fact, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're to be pitied because we're lying about what God is like. Then he says this, but Christ, let me read it because I get extra credit. Let me find it. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And then what's this next word? The what? The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Ooh, oh, now this is good. Now, since we're all farmers, we know exactly the concept of first fruits, right? Not even remotely. What is the first fruit of a harvest? What is it? What's it sound like? The first part, right? So you'd kind of, I know, very, very technical. So the harvest would come in stages. The very beginnings were considered the first fruit, and it was the guarantee, it came ahead of time, and it was the guarantee the rest was coming, okay? So Paul says, the resurrection of Jesus is the first fruit, the first part of what's coming for everything else. In other words, what Paul is saying is that a bit of new creation has popped up right in the middle of the old one. Instead of creation, day of the Lord, new creation, it's creation and then boom. A bit of new creation starts right in the middle of human history. And if you study particularly John's account of the resurrection, when does Jesus rise from the dead? The first day of the week. Where does he rise from the dead? In a garden tomb. Who does Mary think he is? A gardener. Now, this is a very Jewish way of saying, hey, look, a mini Eden. On the first day, I mean, it's just all like, if you're Jewish, you're going, of course, of course. So a bit of new creation comes forward. Now, you still may be a little fuzzy on that. Let me give you an example. So I grew up in the great state of Ohio. Ohio, Ohio, let's hear it. For Ohio. Okay? Or let's not. So Ohio has this thing called weather. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. They have seasons of weather. So there are seasons. There's There's not hot and then less hot. Um, or sunny and then le- less sunny, it's, there's winter and, I mean, you know. Now, now in the middle of winter, and winter in Ohio, there, there's snow, yes, but it's not the snow that gets you. It's not the cold that gets you. It's the gray. It's gray for six months. It's gray. So, so if you're in Seattle, you're like, six months is nothing. But in Ohio, we see sun, sun sometimes. Six months is ridiculous. But usually in the month of February... After we've been socked in for four months, there will come a day, and you'll never see it coming, where it'll magically be 60 and sunny. Winter, by California standards, I understand. But for us, that was a day to not go to school, to not go to work, but to be outside And it was kind of the first day. Now, now what would happen is, all before that, it'd be sleeting and snowing. And then the next day, it would be cold and gray again. But you always had one day that was the reminder of what else was coming. Right in the middle of winter, you had a day of spring. To remind you, winter wasn't going to be there forever. The resurrection of Jesus, in biblical terms, is in the long winter of human history It's the day of spring. It's the reminder that the winter that shrouds human history won't always be there. And it's the first bit of new creation. So Jesus walks around with a weird body. Like, they know it's him sometimes. Other times, they don't recognize him. He evidently still has his scars, but he also walks in the middle of locked rooms. He eats breakfast, but he sort of comes and goes mysteriously, And later on in the same chapter, Paul makes the argument, those are the kinds of bodies we get. So the point is this. Instead of heavens and earth, now ruptured and shrouded in winter, God judges and we're all good. The biblical story is no, Jesus came forward as a bit of new creation right in the middle of the long winter Now, are you with me on this so far? You may be thinking, so what? Like, this is all fascinating, but who cares? Here's the so what. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Boom. It's coming. Right here. You were worried. No? No, okay. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, don't put it up there first, because then why would they turn? No, I'm kidding. Of course. And if you don't know where 2 Corinthians is, it's right after 1 Corinthians. Very helpful. You know, um, some of us mean it when we sing Joy to the World. The rest of you are just, you look awful. You look drowsy, you look tired, you look cold. I'm sweating, it's awesome. I love it. I'm so happy I'm here. And evidently, I'm alone. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now check this out, brothers and sisters. Verse 16. The same writer Paul. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, according to the world's definitions and labels and standards. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? What's it say? Oh, well that's interesting. That's interesting. That's interesting. And guess what that Greek word is? It is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word bara. In other words, God didn't stop creating when Genesis stopped. When God, when you are united with this Jesus, you become part of the new creation. In fact, in the Greek language, the language in which this was written, it's very much emphasized. It literally reads, therefore, in Christ, creation new. The same power, so, so here's the biblical story. The biblical story, go ahead and put that second diagram up. Oh, this is so good. You, I'm so fired up and alone. That, okay, that story turns out to be our story, too. Are you with me? That's our story. Created by a good God, to be human is to be good, to be flesh and blood is to be good, to be sexual, to be human, all of that is good. All of it is good, but ruptured. And so there's darkness in all of it. We're not as bad as we could be, but we're not as good as we should be, right? That's the idea. So what's God do? Well, God, in the same way God put a bit of new creation in the middle of this one, God unites those of us who open our hearts to this Jesus with the new creation aspect of Jesus right now. So that literally when the Bible speaks of you, the Bible doesn't speak of you as a sinner, as a failure, as a screw-up, as a misfit, as an outcast. All of the junk, the long resume of failure and sin has been wiped away, and the same voice that said, let there be light, and there was, has spoken new creation over you. Over you. That's the idea. See, this is far bigger than just going to heaven when you die. Correct? Because the biblical invitation is that you become a signpost, an appetizer, a foretaste of new creation right in the middle of all the chaos that's going on now. This isn't about getting a ticket and praying a prayer and just being good until you die. This is about joining with Christ who is in the process of new creation now because you are part of new creation too. That's the idea. Now, if I were out there, I'd be clapping for me. I'd be clapping because I'm working up here. Now, if you have to ask for it, it doesn't count. Am I right? Because there was no, no, I saw a little bit of clapping from you, young lady. The other two guys were like, nah, we knew this coming in. I don't, this isn't even, it's even news to us. I could teach this stuff. That's what you're thinking. Now, is this a bigger story than the one usually told? Absolutely. And this is why it matters. That we worry about justice, that we worry about racism, that we worry about sexism, that we worry about all of the things we worry about. It's not because we're good people, although hopefully we're trying to be. It's deeper than that. We're to be the place that embodies what's coming. So what's coming? So the big question is what's coming? Well, justice is what's coming. All right, so let's practice that ahead of time. What's coming? Every tongue, tribe, nation, and people worshiping. So let's practice that now. What's coming? Men and women, regarded as full equals. Well, let's practice that now. Right? This is why we do what we do. What's coming? Purity. Let's practice that now. What's coming? Honesty. One of the great things that the judgment of God brings is truth. It's like this big spotlight that shows the darkest parts of all the stories we tell ourselves and tell each other. Well, let's be that community of truth now. That's the idea. That's the invitation. It has nothing to do with getting you to heaven after you die because heaven is just the first part of a round-trip journey, correct? This is about making you fit for the new heavens and the new earth. So that's why Paul will say, Ephesians, if you would, chapter 4, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your what? Old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Can we all say amen? Like we know exactly what that feels like, correct? Because the natural question is, hey, if I'm a new creation, how come I don't look like one, act like one, talk like one, feel like one, right? Well, because evidently, living into that truth is something we do now under grace. So you have an old self, take it off. Paul's image is like Mr. Rogers. You're coming in, you take off your sweater, Or do you put on your sweater? I don't remember. You put it on? Okay, you take it off, put it on. Okay, whatever. You get the image. So put off your old self, which is being corrupted, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on what? The new self to be created to be like God. See, this, this is the invitation, men and women. This isn't about, hey, believe or go to hell. This isn't about believe and go to heaven. No, 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 sorry, sorry. It's not, <laughs> let me restate. It's, the invitation is not don't believe and go to hell or believe and go to heaven. The invitation is God is doing a new thing right here and now. Do you want to be a part? Do you want to be a part of it? That's what, when Jesus would walk around saying, hey, repent for the kingdom of God is right here. That's what he was saying, the cosmic rescue operation began right in the middle of the long human winter. Do you want in on it or not? Because if you're in on it, God begins to renovate you so that you begin to look like what's coming. What do you think of that? Yeah, yeah, I think it's awesome. Let's see your text questions about that, Mr. Texter, whoever put that big long one on there. I think this, I think this turns out to be good news. So before we talk about what judgment is and it's not, let's get, the, let's get the invitation clear. That second diagram, heaven and hell, rupture, reunification, that's our story too. The only difference is that we get to practice and embody that ahead of time. So why does a community of people gathering around a common table matter? Is it because God's really impressed with you for showing up today? Is it, because, is it because you're earning points or something? Of course not. It's because it's part of our formation together and reminder to be new creation in an old creation world. So it matters that I'm around people that I don't pick. It matters that I'm around people I don't look like. It matters that I'm around people that I don't always agree with. Because this is what the new humanity, Jesus said, is about. People who have nothing else in common but Jesus gathering in his name and putting aside all other differences. That's why this matters. So let's practice, shall we? The bread and the cup are here today. And I want you to take, if, if you are going to take, and again, you're all welcome. You're going to take the bread and the cup. This has been an ancient image inaugurated by Jesus to remember his body and to remember his shed blood. That the, the bit of a new creation that came forward allowed old creation to do its worst and then overcame it. So that now you and I can be united with this Jesus and a part of his work. That all of the mistakes, the past, the failures, those things can be set aside and newness can be spoken in. So this is a sign of newness. If you're here and you're like, I don't feel like new creation. I'm dominated by old creation. This is for you. This is for you. This is for you to say, no, no, I'm putting on this. I want to put off everything else. You're somebody here, and this whole faith thing is new. It's a struggle. You're doubting. You just are not sure. Please understand that whatever bit of faith you bring, that bit of faith will be received by Jesus. And please understand, his goal isn't to turn you into a religious person. His goal isn't to, to turn you into some stuffy, you know, kill joy. His goal is to liberate you into full, your full humanity, to restore the bit of new creation that God always intended from the beginning. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. Gluten-free. So for those of you who are lagging behind in the new creation process and are gluten-free, it's over there. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> um, and we're going to have our, our prayer folks handing out the elements, which we think is so powerful. And then they just stay up there. And if there's anything we can pray for, please let us. Not, not enough of you. Um, it's too many of you, because you email me, and you're all walking in stuff by yourself, and that should not be my brothers and sisters. So please, please, please humble yourself. If there's something we can pray for, we'd be honored to do it. Um, Financial worship, for those of us warring against consumerism, um, that's how we practice. The participation boxes around the room. And then lastly, we're going to sing. And as always, I mean, even though I may just stand, you don't have to. You don't have to. So you can participate, not participate. Uh, Let me pray. Sound good? And then we'll carry on. Lord, this is awesome. I am so I, I am just so delighted. I look forward to this so much, to take the bread and the cup with my brothers and my sisters. And, and I know, God, some of us are here, and it is a chore. We are burdened. We are heavy. We are sad. We are lonely. We are encumbered. And, um, and for those who, who limp up to the table, God, I pray extra grace for them. You'd meet with them and remind them of how good you are. For others of us, God, this is a joy to celebrate the fact that, that what we've done is no longer held against us, that we can be a part of this new thing that God has been up to for the last 2,000 years. And so God, whatever it is, whether it's, whether it's comfort or whether it's just the shout of vocation over us, Lord, would you meet with us and receive the faith that we bring. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Okay. That's all we got. I love that. All right, well, I guess we're done early. <laughs> Go ahead and stand if you would. I mean, who's, who's ever going to argue with that, right? Oh, bummer, we got out of church early. Sorry. <sighs> I, I, I'm just so fired up. I love being a part of this. So I'm glad you're here. I really am. It is the highlight of my week is watching um, people come to the table and um, not knowing the stories, but just imagining. And um, there's something so powerful for me. I'm blessed by it. So I'd love to pray for you. And um, again, if you if you want to find out more, or get to know some folks, uh, go to our website and, and sign up for stuff, and we'd love to we'd love to see you around. So, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you, and in these days may he give you peace. Amen. Amen. Bless you, my brothers and sisters. See ya. Next week. See you around. See you at the Bram Mall. See ya. Merry Christmas. That's right. Thanks for listening to the Box Community Podcast. Participate in the Box Community at slash participate.